What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and this is your WWE Survivor Series War Games 2023 preview. And we'll get to that. But I want to ask you guys something genuinely. Not taking any shots at anybody, not taking any shots at AEW, not, you know, bigging up WWE too much. They're doing enough of that on their own. But I want to ask you guys a genuine question. Not too long ago, they decided, I mean, they'll tell you, the TV schedule decided, tight air quotes, they decided they were going to go up against NXT for a reboot of the Wednesday Night War on Tuesdays, and they got trounced at a ratio of approximately one and a half to one. Then, because of full gear, they decided to do a Collision Rampage Super Show up against SmackDown, and got trounced ten to one. Don't believe me? Go look it up. Now... Now, on one of the coolest pay-per-views of the year, with one of the coolest gimmicks of the year, with at least two, if not three, returns expected, at one of the big four pay-per-views happening this Saturday, they've decided to run another Collision Rampage Super Show up against Survivor Series. My genuine question to you, is this where they go under the 200,000 mark? Because I'm going to laugh a lot. Also, also, while I'm addressing AEW, anybody in Canada, anybody in Canada within the sound of my voice, tell me your pay-per-view experience if you live in Canada and if you tried to order full gear from Rogers Cable. <coughs> Excuse me. Rogers Cable, for about the first two hours of that show, gave us a basketball game. No response. No response from Rogers Helps. No response from AEW. Very, very particular. It kind of runs along the same lines as every time they've had a new show, they didn't bother telling anybody where it was going to show in Canada. So give me your full gear purchasing experience if you live in Canada and use Rogers, and give me just how low you think the ratings on Collision and Rampage are going to be going up against Survivor Series. Oh, yes. Now, Survivor Series, and I say this every time Survivor Series comes around, people say, oh, I'm so sick of the Survivor Series gimmick. Well, what's the gimmick? Because for a while there, it was four-on-four -four elimination matches, basically two tag teams versus two tag teams, for the most part. Then it became five-on-five -five elimination tag matches, uh, basically with a captain building a team versus another captain building a team. And then... We did the Deadly Games, you know, and everybody sang the song, and everybody sounded equally silly doing the Deadly Game. So we had that. So then, for a long time, Survivor Series adopted the theme of bragging rights, and it was the show, it was the one time a year where Raw versus SmackDown can happen, other than all the other times it happens in the year, which is absolutely fine. Now, of that era, the, the best Survivor Series of that era was the one where they included NXT, and when they had the ladies' triple threat in the main event, Come and fight me, you'll be talking to a wall. Now, with Vinny out and Papa H in, we've got War Games. Because until Vinny went out, we had to keep War Games in NXT. What I love about WWE 2K23, by the way, is you've got both War Games. You've got the NXT War Games and you've got the Survivor Series War Games, which is a lot of fun. Another story for another day. But they've only done... Have they done three War Games on the main roster or two? Somebody get me down in the box below. So for the people that are saying... Oh, you know, Survivor Series is the weakest pay-per-view because people people got sick of, of Survivor Series years ago. Which Survivor Series are you talking about? Because Survivor Series, as a pay-per-view, has gone through the most identity changes over the year. 
the, the Rumble's still the Rumble. I mean, we added the Women's Rumble, which is awesome, which is fine. Um, but no, nothing really changed about what the Rumble is. I mean, we had the 40-person Rumble one year. We had the biggest, greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. Let's not talk about it. Titus World Slide and all that. All the other pay-per-views, SummerSlam is just the big show. WrestleMania is just the big show. The Rumble is the Rumble. The Chamber is the Chamber. Survivor Series is the one that has gone through the most identity changes. So it absolutely boggles my mind every year when people say they're sick of Survivor Series because it doesn't really make sense. But then again, the wrestling fans on Twitter or X don't really make any sense, do they? So let's get into the card. There's no pre-show announced so far. And uh, as usual, I'm filming this on Thursday. I'm filming this during the day on Thursday because I didn't go to work today because I feel like crap. So if I sound like crap, I apologize. There's a lot of stuff they still got to sort out on SmackDown, so some of this is going to be irrelevant, mostly when it comes to conversation about the the women's the women's war games match. But speaking of SmackDown, Carlito versus Santos Escobar. Carlito in there representing Rey Mysterio, who's apparently gone for a legit leg surgery. So let's let's wish him a lot of uh, goodwill and good. Uh, man, I really sound bad today. Um, the uh, the split off of Santos Escobar from LWO and I said it before and I'll say it again I like the fact that it wasn't just Legato going and being Legato again it's actually Santos going out on his own Carlito versus Santos Escobar Carlito's on like a like a legacy run I don't think he's going to be picking up too many victories I do think he's going to be helping a lot of people out um, they immediately put him in the LWO story because, of course, he did. Look, look at Backlash. Look at Backlash in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Look at the reaction that he got. I don't think anybody knew he was coming, maybe. I don't know. The LWO thing, it's um, it exists on, like, the fourth tier. I mean, you got Bloodline. Bloodline kind of fell apart, so now Judgment Day is up there. Damage Control is somewhere in the mix. And then right under that, you've got the LWO. But that just means you got four awesome stories happening in the WWE all at once. You've got four groups... Four groups, four questions, four four uh, four jokes uh, for the for the wrestle culture fans out there. Um, Santos is going to win this. He's probably going to cheat. Uh, a lot of this goes into news and rumor, but apparently Santos Escobar is not going to bring Wild and Del Toro with him to form a heel faction. Apparently, he's going to be recruiting Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo who are sort of reinventing themselves on NXT right now. If you're not watching NXT. I think that's really cool, because I think another person that's going to be dragged back into this, who was introduced and kind of associated with them, and then not, was um, was Dragon Lee. I don't think we see Dragon Lee tonight, or uh, on Saturday, but I think it's going to be in the future, because, ultimately, and yes, I know the Judgment Day are on Raw, and the general managers of Raw are actually putting rules in place to say, like, who can be where, but... If we can bend that for a night, imagine you've got Santos Escobar, Humberto Carrillo, Angel Garza, and Dominic Mysterio versus a team representing Rey Mysterio of Carlito, Del Toro, Wild, and Dragon Lee. That's a lot of fun. If Rey Mysterio can't make WrestleMania, you do that four-on-four four instead. That's just my personal opinion. Santos Escobar is going to win this. He just turned heel. He's fully justified in his own mind in, in what he's done, and they've told the story great. Because it's not the main focus of, of SmackDown, this story has kind of had the opportunity to sort of exist in the background. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, what it does is it immediately pulls 
Rey Mysterio and the LWO away from the United States Championship, currently held by Logan Paul, and uh, Logan Paul can focus on probably WrestleMania, where he's probably going to face LA, not yeah, but we're going to give Logan Paul a chance to, uh, to carry that title for a bit. I think it's awesome. I think the uh, I, not everybody gets into the, the the marketing conversation. I get that the whole idea that Logan Paul, while he's out doing Logan Paul things or while he's doing a show, is going to have a WWE title around his waist and be bringing more attention to WWE is a factor. I know people don't like that, but it is. And also, if you're going to do that, do it with the title that's kind of the least prestigious right now. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to totally bury the United States Championship, but Gunther, as the IC Champion, is better. The tag titles look better than they have in years, and the world titles are great. You can't put the women's tag team titles on Logan Paul, so this is the next best thing. And he's going to go up against LA Knight. It's going to put a huge spotlight. It's going to put a huge general spotlight on LA Knight. It's going to put a huge WWE spotlight on LA Knight. And LA Knight's going to have a WrestleMania moment and get his first championship. Nobody loses in that situation. But to, for that to happen, you needed to pull Rey Mysterio away from the automatic rematch clause bullshit that WWE typically does. And this absolutely achieves that. Santos Escobar is going to win. Uh, as, as I was saying a second ago, he's totally, totally justified in his own head. And if he turns heel and then immediately loses, then the heel turn itself loses its impact. So Carlito's going to go in there. He's going to do a great job. Zelina Vega is kind of like the heartbeat of the story. Like the emotional heft is written all over her face and she's doing really good at that. I really wish we got to see her wrestle more. That's a different conversation for another day. Santos is going to be raging at his legato boys. How, how could you not follow me? Da, 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 da. And they're probably going to get jumped by Umberto and Angel Garza. That's awesome. And you know what? For a team that was a joke for a long time, who are slowly rebuilding themselves on NXT, that's not a bad spot for Umberto and Angel Garza to be in either. So everybody wins across the board. Santos is going to win. Carlito's not going to lose anything with the loss. LWO are still popular, so they're not going to lose anything by one of their members losing. Everybody wins. Speaking of everybody wins, Gunther versus The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship. Now I can't wait to see my boy The Miz topple Gunther and become the billion-time IC That's not happening, is it? It's not. What is happening, however, is Gunther's awesome. He's been in great matches, like Bell to Bell, and yes, especially right now, there's a huge conversation of, like, what's more important, the story or the wrestling? Well, the wrestling is the story, and the story is the wrestling. So I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. But Gunther has had very, very, very awesome good matches, capital G, capital M, trademark. Um, but he's doing some character work here, and he's doing, he's not being, like, this aggressive, violent, like, you know, terrorizing the midst of everything. He's just being a dick, and he's just being a bully, and it's mimicking all the stuff that we actually know happened to The Miz in his early days in the WWE. From people like JBL telling him he has to, like, fuck off and change in the bathroom because he's not a real wrestler. He's a... And to be fair, let's be fair for a second, because a lot of fans did the same thing. I'm not going to get on a soapbox and say I was right about The Miz. That happened several years ago when he was in the main event of WrestleMania with The Rock and John Cena. Another story for another day. The Miz doing some really cool character work. Not only some really cool character work, but not not being a baby face that's like, oh, look at me, I'm suddenly a good guy. Like, The Miz playing a genuine underdog baby face, but still being The Miz is kind of awesome. It is, and I'm sorry, that's probably, people are going to think that's a pun, but it's not. 
The Miz has been a dickweed for years, but he's earned something because as soon as he gets his back up and as soon as he puts his foot down and as soon as he puts some bass in his voice and gets in Gunther's face, watch the crowd. Watch the crowd because, yes, we will go along with you and we will boo you and we will cheer tiny balls when we're supposed to, when you're being a bad guy because you are the bad guy that brings that out. It's like the debate over the what chance. <coughs> Nobody is whatting this version of The Miz. Now, is he going to go back and win the Rumble and main event WrestleMania? Again, obviously not. But I think in a, in a match, like I say, that I know he's going to lose, I think just how far we send Miz in a underdog, babyface, valiant title attempt is, is such an interesting prospect. Because he had all the weird stuff when he was teaming up with Shane McMahon, and that was weird because, you know, apparently you're not allowed to like anybody with the last name McMahon. But those are the same people that legitimately laughed when Shane McMahon fucked up his leg. You don't have to like him, you also don't have to take joy out of people genuinely getting hurt. I'm just saying, this is going to be awesome. Now, because we've never gone quite this far with The Miz, and because Gunther is, like, a brick building to, to you know, sort of sit in front of, I don't know. He's going to have to sell the it kicks at some point, which is going to drive a lot of people absolutely nuts. But picture an Orange Cassidy. And and people are people are going to hate that comparison. Picture Orange Cassidy when he does the lazy kicks, but when he's in an actual feud, he sets up for the lazy kicks and then actually kicks somebody's head off. I'm not saying Miz needs to rip that off, but go for the you know, get the person down on one knee, get him in position for the it kicks and then just like chop him in the throat or something. Like, yeah, you thought I was going to go for my typical corny shtick. No, this is the new Miz. This is the Miz you're dealing with tonight. I think they need to have a moment like that. I don't know whether Gunther's going to sell it. If he does go for the cheesy Miz it kicks, then yes, obviously Gunther should grab him by the leg and throw him into the fifth row. That's absolutely a thing. I'm looking forward to the performance, not necessarily the result. This is, and this is high praise for Gunther, this is an Undertaker match, in the sense of, remember when Undertaker's streak was still a thing, and you knew he was going to win because the streak was still going on. So now, the accomplishment was getting the match. The accomplishment for Miz right now is knowing that he's not going to cross the line, and showing us just how far to the line, or how close to the line, he can get. And I think that's a different kind of challenge. And, last thing I'll say about this, this could suck. He could try to fill that role and fall on his face. It's not going to make me lose any respect for the guy, but if he go does just go in there and look like a goofball and fall on his face and whatever, I will come up and say that in the review. I will come up and say that in the review. Also, on a separate note, if you guys have, have noticed, I've been trying to do a lot of different things right now. Uh, WWE last week has not been as consistent as it's typically been, but the counterpoint to that, <coughs> excuse me, has been that I've been doing actual pay-per-view previews, or sorry, reviews rather. Uh, you guys know that have been following me for a long time. I used to do the preview, and then I'd talk about whatever happened after the pay-per-view in the next episode of WWE last week. Please let me know down in the box below if you prefer getting the review right after, because I am, I am starting to like that a little bit more, and you never know. New Year's coming up, schedule might change, what I do here might change, and I'm going to try and cover TNA once TNA comes back. Let's just say, Final Resolution is happening here in my backyard, so I will be there live for the last 
the last pay-per-view under the Impact banner. It's happening in the Don Koloff Arena, which is the home of Destiny Wrestling. Check it off your Spats Phoenix bucket list. It's absolutely fine. I'm going to see Destiny, Impact, and WWE all in one month. Now, WWE is just the typical Toronto holiday house show, but that's it still counts. It still counts. I think it's the same day. No, it's the day before World's End. So if the world is going to end, i.e., you know, we're going to get Samojo versus MJF, the day before, I'm going to go see the A Company in Toronto as a late Christmas present to myself. Oh, yes. Also, on that day, total coincidence, by the way, December 30th is the next episode of uh, NXT Rewind. NXT Rewind covering NXT TakeOver Respect with the Iron Woman match between Bailey and Sasha Banks. I was way nicer than, to uh, Sasha Banks than I think most of you will be predicting. So check out that as well as I completely interrupt the preview to plug all my shit. Let's go on. Let's go on to Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark, which is another one. Which is another one, kind of like The Miz. Zoe Stark, I don't know if we're supposed to receive her as a babyface or as just fuck you, you've got a belt, I want it, because she's still teaming with Baszler sometimes, and Baszler's pretty much a heel, and Ripley's the heel, but everybody loves her, so she's sort of quantum babyface, if that makes sense. Um, really, really cool um, opportunity for Zoe Stark to come in and, and show out on a big stage. Don't think she's going to win. I think if they do... I think if all the shenanigans that Judgment Day are involved in that night distract Rhea Ripley and we get Zoe Stark getting the upset, I think that would be really awesome for her because I think she deserves it. I think she's great, but I'd also be really bummed. I it's She's very much playing with, you know, you got a tag team title match on Friday. Oh, yeah, they've got a tag title match on Friday, I think, against Brawling Brutes. Am I right about that? Or is it the Hurt Business? Somebody. They're fighting somebody on Friday for the tag belts. So while I think they probably won't change those titles, because, I mean, it's the fucking Street Profits and they don't need another title run, but there is the opportunity to say Rhea Ripley was way too focused on the tag title match on Friday. She's way too focused on her guys... Uh, functioning well in war games. She's way too focused on how Drew McIntyre is going to get along with her guys to focus on her own match. Also, she's overlooking Zoe Stark. There could be a rocky moment for Zoe Stark here. And as awesome as it would be, my bias takes over. I want Rhea Ripley to carry that belt into WrestleMania and defend it at WrestleMania in one of the main events at WrestleMania against Shayna Baszler. It won't be Shayna Baszler. I'm going to be sad. But, again, Zoe Stark... Awesome, underdog, the whole size thing. Like, she could probably bench press Rhea Ripley. Let's be real for a minute. Like, her finisher is awesome. Rhea Ripley sold her finisher in the five-way like it was fucking death. And she rightly came out the next night and pointed out, like, yeah, if that had been a one-on-one -on -one match, I'd be the champion right now. Absolutely. Rhea Ripley, as awesome as she is, and as much as people love her right now, doesn't get the credit she deserves for making other people look awesome. She's a fucking force. She's... Thanos, pretty much, but she doesn't give enough people the credit, or sorry, she doesn't get enough credit from people for how much she lets people put the dings in her armor in every match, in every story, in every interaction. I think she's amazing. I think she deserves to carry the title till Mania. I think it's the better looking title. Seth and Rhea's titles are the better looking titles. I'm just saying. She's going to make Zoe Stark look 
badass, and then I think other people are going to get... Because you still have this sort of monster's ball of people around Rhea Ripley, and it's making me more and more nervous, I'm not going to lie. Because at, in that five-way, you had her, you had Zoe, you had Nia, you had Raquel, and you had Shayna. Now, she's already fought Raquel a couple of times. She's already fought Baszler a couple of times, never on pay-per-view, I don't think, unfortunately. She's now facing Zoe. Are they saving her and Nia for the Rumble? Because that's not a match I'm interested in. It's just not, oh, well, she's there to put the fear in you because, you know, if if Nia won, obviously that would be so terrible. So that's what what's going to have you on the hook. I'm like, don't present me with a terrible option. Present me with two awesome options and I'll pick one. Like I say, if if Zoe lost, or sorry, if Zoe won here, it wouldn't be what I would do, but I would still be genuinely happy for her because I think she's awesome. So that those are two awesome choices. I just prefer Rhea, obviously, carrying the title. With Rhea versus Nia, if they're saving that for the Rumble, then... That's a good option and a shit option. And if I'm just watching a match saying, please don't do the shit option, then we're getting into, like, peak John Cena territory. As far as a mentality, no, nobody is as bad as John Cena was when he was booked in a certain period of his career. Not saying that. But if you're just sitting there saying, please make the good decision, please don't make the shit decision, then you're not actually into the match between these two awesome things that could happen. Anyways, Rhea Ripley's going to win. Gunther's going to win. Santos Escobar's going to win. Now let's get into why we're really here. <coughs> the Women's War Games match is interesting in the sense that as much as there's a really cool damage control story going on, as much as I'm really happy that my girl Shotzi is getting put in this prominent spot now... As much as people are bitching, oh, Becky Lynch is supposed to be on Raw. Why is she in a SmackDown? Because it's awesome. Fuck off. The one thing that hangs sort of over this whole match is the one person that's not in it yet. And that's Jade Cargill, who hasn't made her debut yet. Now, I'm not particularly a fan of Jade Cargill, as you guys know. I will say the way they've presented her so far is fantastic, and I am interested in what she does whenever she gets into the ring, whenever she shows up on whatever show. If she debuts in NXT, I'm going to laugh my ass off. Jade Cargill versus Tiffany Stratton. What would it do? Say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. It pisses off all the right people. Oh, yes. But, realistically, we know Jade Cargill is going to come in and be a part of that babyface team. Now... There's two ways that happens. The really cool way is that Dakota Kai is cleared, and we just don't know it. They've kept it under wraps. She comes in as the fifth member. The babyfaces need one more member. You get Jade Cargill. The other way is if somebody on the babyface team gets taken out. It's happened before. They did it in NXT. It's pretty common for war games. Now, the bummer about that is if they take out somebody on the babyface team, it ain't going to be Becky. It ain't going to be Charlotte. It ain't going to be Bianca. It's going to be Shotzi. And that sucks. That really sucks because I'm really looking forward to Shotzi uh, doing her thing in War Games. If you haven't heard it, and I, and I know I've mentioned it before and I mentioned it a lot because I'm biased. I really like Shotzi Blackheart. There was an interview done with her either just before or just after she signed with NXT uh, on the Lillian Garcia podcast. And when she asked her, what do you want to do in WWE? Like, what are your goals? Like, she didn't really say titles. She really didn't even say, like, main events and pay-per-views and all that sort of thing. She likes hardcore wrestling, and her whole thing was, I want to bring hardcore wrestling to the women's division in WWE. And I thought that is so interesting it's so interesting as a goal because, obviously, 
Like, this is something she wants to bring to the Division, not something she wants to take from the Division. But it means, when you get stuff like War Games, she should be the first person on your list. Like, she really should. Like, she wants to do this shit. Other one... <coughs> excuse me. There's other women in this match who are in this match because they are fucking stars. But I'm sure if you ask them, like, would you rather have a little mini... 20-minute banger classic and get spotlight on the show, or would you rather go into this really dangerous cage match where you might get hurt? The cage match wouldn't be the first choice for a lot of them, and that is okay. That does not make them bad people, and I am not shitting on them whatsoever. But, when you have somebody like Shotzi, whose goal is specifically to bring hardcore wrestling to the WWE Women's Division, she should be your first person in there. Like, that's just a thing. So I really hope we get Dakota Kai um, cleared and joining damage control, well, not joining damage control, but participating with damage control, and then at the very last second, you know, Charlotte calls Triple H and says, hey, is she available, and you get, like, an ominous phone call, and then out comes Jade Cargill, awesome, now, do you want, for, for the people that really like Jade Cargill, um, some of them are going to say, is it, a really good debut for her to do it in a dangerous match that she's never been in? Is it a really good debut for her to get lost in the shuffle with nine other people? Maybe not, but it will be memorable. Sorry, I can speak, I swear. She'll probably be the last one in the cage. She's be, she'll be, she'd be the one in the least danger. She'd probably go in there, do one or two spots, and, and leave. I think that's how it should go. If Dakota Kai is cleared, obviously I'm not trying to push somebody into action that's not ready and cleared for action. My name is not Tony Khan. But either way, the baby faces are winning. And the bigger story here is Damage Control is going to turn on Bailey. Now, the way I see it going down, Damage Control is going to turn on Bailey. And the babyfaces are going to come and basically save her. Because you're going to get a triple threat match out of it. I think Dakota Kai just falls by the falls by the wayside because she's not active, as we know right now. And I think a lot of people want to see, because, you know, look at who's on the other side. They want to see Asuka, Io, and Kyrie versus the three remaining relevant horsewomen. Which would be fine. Which would be awesome. You've got... Charlotte, you've got Becky, you've got Bailey versus Asuka, Io, and Kyrie Sane. That would be an awesome match. I would like them to do something a little different, especially because of how these people are so tied to war games, specifically in NXT. One of the coolest stories ever in war games was Dakota Kai turning on Tegan Knox, slamming her leg in the in the cage, turning on her, turning on her team and, and fucking off. Before that, they were Team Kick. They were an actual tag team. Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox were a tag team for anybody that didn't watch NXT. I would love to see Babyface Bailey reunite Team Kick along with her and have those three take on Asuka Io and Kyrie. I think that's a much better thing. I think it's less predictable, which is cool. I mean, the, the three remaining relevant horsewomen versus the new damage control would be awesome. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see that match somewhere along the way, but I'd like to see them do something a little more off the path with that one. That's just me. It's, uh, the other, the other thing you could do if Dakota Kai isn't available, we know there is a past history with damage control getting help from Nikki Cross. Now, she's on Raw, but so is Becky Lynch. So, uh, Nick Aldis could say, hey, 
you know, the babyfaces got to choose one team member from Raw Damage Control can do the same thing. And then you bring in Jade Cargill, because the stare-down between Jade Cargill and Nikki Cross would just be hilarious. Not gonna lie. But, I think the match is gonna be good. Like, look at the talent in that match. It can't be bad. The story after... It's one of those... Unfortunately, it's one of those things where we're almost predicting the story after the match, and it may make you overlook the match. I would say don't do that. I'm trying not to do that. But the um, match will be great. The story afterwards will be great. Whatever the story is, WWE has earned that now. Now, before we get into what I only assume will be the main event, Shinsuke Nakamura has been calling somebody out. Where are you? When are you going to get here? I know you're dealing with one last battle, etc., etc., etc. I haven't watched all the videos because... Subtitles make my head hurt, and that's a shoot. Um, it was going to be Randy Orton. This was going to be the big return of Randy Orton, but Randy Orton is in the next match that we're going to talk about in a second. Or is he? Because I would love to see it. Everybody would love to see it. And everybody's talking about it, so I might as well talk about it. Would be would it be cool if the one that answers Shinsuke Nakamura's open challenge at Survivor Series was CM Punk? Of course it would. It would be a huge win for WWE to get CM Punk back. It would be a huge win for WWE and not AEW to be the one to present uh, CM Punk versus Cody Rhodes on a, on a big pay-per-view, maybe WrestleMania, because Cody Rhodes does not need to win the championship from Roman. That's another story for another day. That's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love Nakamura's challenge to be answered by CM Punk. But, consider this. What if we were right the first time? What if we were right the first time, and the one that answers Shinsuke Nakamura's challenge is Randy Orton, and he gets taken out by Nakamura because he's not actually ready to come back or something. Cody Rhodes is all in a, in a dismay and whatever, and he starts calling around to other people. Oh, nobody's close enough. Nobody's close enough. We live in Chicago. Or, sorry, the pay-per-view lives in Chicago. Who lives in Chicago? CM Punk comes out and joins War Games. So... Here's where, I don't even know if they're doing the Nakamura thing on Survivor Series, so let's let's get that out of the way right now, because somebody's going to catch, catch me up on that. But, I think it would be cool if CM Punk came out to challenge Nakamura, I think it would be cool if the Orton thing is a bait-and-switch, and Orton goes with Nakamura, and then we get CM Punk on the, uh, on the War Games match in the main event, which is where he should come back if he's coming back. Now, do I think CM Punk is coming back? Probably not, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, and here's the thing. Two things can be true. If CM Punk returns at Survivor Series, Survivor Series is going to be awesome. Second point, if CM Punk doesn't return at Survivor Series, Survivor Series is going to be awesome. Two things can be true. Saying that, moving on to the main event, predicting that it is Randy Orton in the main event, uh, joining Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Jey Uso, and Sami Zayn, Obviously, the story of Randy Orton maybe wanting a piece of Jey Uso could be a thing. Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes don't exactly get along. Sami Zayn is going to be the guy standing in the middle of the ring saying, why can't we get along? Judgment Day has Drew McIntyre, and that's a, a tenuous relationship basically brokered by Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley's given sort of the side eye to uh, Drew McIntyre. But if you notice, the past couple of weeks as well, Jey Uso's kind of been given the side eye to Rhea Ripley. So there's a lot of weirdness going on there. I do think the babyfaces win. I do think the babyfaces win. I do think the Judgment Day takes it out on Drew McIntyre. I do think that uh, 
if I said this in, in, a, in a previous podcast, if the Judgment Day wins, it has to be like this. This is my fantasy booking for this. They're not going to do it. I'm aware. But just follow me for a second. Seth Rollins should be considered the captain of this team. I don't know why it's Cody Rhodes, but whatever. Seth Rollins is the main champion. He's the main guy on Raw, so he should be the captain of his team. Also, he is the champion, so he should want to be the guy, the babyface, the the, uh, the general that leads the army to war, if we want to use the war games cliche. He's the first guy in the cage, meaning by the end of the match, he's the one that's taken the most damage. Damian Priest, on the other side of the coin, should be the smart babyface. He should let everybody else go in and do all the damage for him. He's the last one in the cage. What happens, or sorry, what can't happen until the last guy is in? The match beyond, where you can actually win. Nobody can get a pin before the last person has entered. So, as Damian Priest is going in, as he's entering the cage, as the match beyond begins, he cashes in his money in the bank. He takes advantage of a very, 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 very beaten down Seth Rollins, and in one pin, you win the War Games match and the and the uh, WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I think that would be awesome. I think that's the only way it makes sense, or it's the only thing that makes the heels winning worth it. I know the heels won a lot, you know, um, Undisputed Era and all that kind of thing, but. Um, but yeah, other than that, the babyfaces win. Babyfaces win, and Sammy's, or not Sammy's Zane, Seth Rollins gets a beat down after the match. You still get a cash in. Still awesome. Um, if Damian Priest tries to cash in and Drew McIntyre costs him the, the cash in, then you've got a Damian Priest versus Drew McIntyre story going. You can revisit Cody and Seth. You can do something with Randy Orton and Jey Uso. I don't know how much Randy Orton's going to do in this match. He's, with him being the nostalgic favorite. He's probably going to be the last one in the cage, isn't he? I don't know. But, um, but I mean, that means you're putting him on the same footing as how I've fantasy booked Jade Cargill. So there's a lot of different things going on. I'm really interested to see how much Dominic Mysterio can do in this cage. I'm really looking for a shining moment for J.D. McDonough, much like a Zoe Stark. Uh, not going to be her story that night, but I want to see how much she does. Very, very similar thoughts with J.D. McDonough. Very, very serious. Uh, very, very, um, similar to how I feel about The Miz as well, and we've been over that already. So, there's the big stories. This is what I love about WWE right now, and yes, I'm being a bit of a shill, because I'm biased, but I can admit I'm biased, which makes me better than the guys on the other side. There's all the awesome stuff happening on top, and then there's all the interesting stuff happening just underneath, and I think that's that's good. And that this is not including anything to do with Roman's title. We haven't done anything with the United States Championship. We're not doing anything with the Raw men's title or the SmackDown women's title because they're both in the War Games matches themselves. We're not trading very much hardware. We've got two matches. We've got Rhea defending and she's going to defend. you got Gunther defending and he's going to defend. So the War Games is, is the thing. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Um... But I think it's kind of cool that since the last pay-per-view, from now until WrestleMania, realistically, and this is something else I was going to do on a different podcast, but I'll ask you guys what you think here right now. From now, from about November to WrestleMania, the champ, if they chose to book it this way, mind you, the champions could take some time off. Because, <coughs> excuse me, it's not the title matches that sell these particular pay-per-views. War Games is selling... Survivor Series. The Iron Survivor is selling Deadline. Rumble sells the Rumble. Chamber sells Chamber. Um, if they do something else in between, I that might be the one exception. But, like, 
we have structures in place that sell these pay-per-views. So you could have Seth pull a Roman. You could have, uh, I mean, usually there's only one um, mid-card title. Like they, they either focus on the IC or the US. I can't remember the last time they did both. Might have been last month. My brain doesn't like me right now because I don't feel good. Um, we had Gunther focused on this time. Maybe by the time we get to Rumble, Logan Paul has his first title defense. Um, maybe somebody else from the LWO wants to fight in, in Ray's honor. Dragon Lee, now that I think about it, Dragon Lee versus Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble would be amazing. I would have a lot of fun with that. Not amazing in the fact that it would be a 10-star classic in the Tokyo Dome, brother, but I think it would just be hella fun. The size difference between Logan Paul and Rey Mysterio was bad enough, and I think Dragon Lee's smaller. Not that that makes him a bad wrestler, but I think the match would be fun. Um... Logan Paul versus Carlito would also be really good. I'm off on a tangent about the Rumble now, and it's not even December. I've got so much shit happening in December, guys, that I'm thinking past it already. I'm rambling now. I hope you guys have enjoyed what I've had to say. Please let me know what you think down in the box below. You know how I am with these types of things. With the Rumble, with the Chamber, with the War Games, with the Iron Survivor, when they're big pile of people matches, eventually what you get from me is word soup. I hope you've agreed with some of it. I hope you've understood what I've had to say. I really, Honestly, I hope some of you disagree with me entirely. And tell me down in the comment section below, or on X, at Spaz Phoenix. But this is, this is it. I really have to go. My voice is running away from me at the moment. Thanks for listening. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality. Check subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all of these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.